Hello, everyone. I'm Gary Urbanowitz, your host for this Throwback FDNY podcast. Remember, you can listen to all the past episodes of Throwback FDNY by going to the website of the New York City Fire Museum at nycfiremuseum.org slash throwbackfdny and choosing the digital platform you use for listening to podcasts. Each show has three segments going back in time about the FDNY and its history. Now let's start this month's show. In this episode of Throwback FDNY, in 1868, a fire engine explodes at a fire on the Bowery. In 1883, the School of Instruction is opened. And in 1991, William Feehan becomes the chief. If you visit the New York City Fire Museum, you can see two historic steam fire engines. The machinery represented a major technological advancement over the use of hand-pumped engines, which were in operation for the previous 100-plus years. However, when the steamers were first introduced to the New York City Fire Department in 1858, they also presented numerous challenges and risks. Basically, a steam fire engine works on much the same basic principles as a teapot whistle. Water is boiled, and the steam given off has energy. That energy is used to drive a motor, in this case a pump, that propels the water from some source, like a hydrant, cistern, river, etc. The person responsible for maintaining its operation, in quarters or at a fire, was the engineer or assistant engineer of steamer. They had to be well trained to have it ready to respond when needed and to provide an adequate supply of water to fight the blaze. On June 18, 1868, an alarm was transmitted at 9 p.m. for a structure fire at number 53 Bowery. The fire was brought under control relatively quickly, but something went terribly wrong. At some point, the steamer of Engine Company 9 exploded, suddenly and unexpectedly. The engine had been in service for only two years. News reports stated that the heavy engine was lifted off the ground before crashing down. The blast demolished the engine and its boiler, sending an immense amount of shrapnel in all directions. But not only did these projectiles have the potential of causing devastating injuries and possibly death, a huge amount of steam with tremendous pressure and at a scalding temperature was released. The building on fire and the engine in question was in front of the Bowery Theater that had just let out after a performance. As a result, there was a large crowd of people on the street in addition to the many onlookers that normally came out to watch New York's bravest at work. In all, six people were killed and over 20 were injured. A coroner's inquest was held to determine the cause of the catastrophe as well as to determine blame, if any. The testimony was pretty consistent, stating that one of the safety valves on the engine was seen to be tied down. If the valve was defective and the engineer secured it, then any excessive pressure that should have been released would have built up in the boiler, causing it to explode. Blame for this was placed squarely on engineer of steamer Patrick W. Hand, who was summarily discharged from the department. He later sued the fire commissioners in the amount of $10,000, approximately $217,000 today, 
for damaging his reputation. The outcome of that suit is not known. If you would like to see an image of this story, one appeared in the July 4, 1868 issue of the famous Harper's Weekly newspaper. A simple internet search for 1868 steam fire engine explosion will turn it up from several sources, including the Library of Congress. Hello, everyone. I'm Jennifer Brown, the Executive Director of the New York City Fire Museum. Thank you for listening to our Throwback FDNY podcast. We invite you to become a member of our wonderful cultural institution in Lower Manhattan. We preserve the history of the fire department in New York City, educate the public on fire and life safety, and celebrate the wonderful traditions of the FDNY. To learn more about our membership program and the perks it offers, go to nycfiremuseum.org. In our October 2020 and July 2021 episodes of Throwback FDNY, I told you about the establishment of the School of Instruction, but I'd like to take this opportunity to tell you more about the history of the FDNY Bureau of Training. During the volunteer era of the department, there was no formal training for firefighters, other than what they may have gained on the job. Training went a long way with Commissioner Alexander Shaler's efforts to professionalize the department and to fashion it on a military basis. That included having well-trained and experienced officers. So in 1869, he established an officer's school. But it wasn't until the fatal fire at the World Building in 1882, and the introduction of scaling ladders as a result, that brought about the School of Instruction in 1883. The School of Instruction was comprised of two classes. The first, or life-saving corps, was set up to instruct and train on the handling and use of scaling and ordinary ladders, lifelines, and other rescue practices. The second, or general instruction class, covered the duties of a firefighter in quarters and at fires. The school was housed in the quarters of Engine Company 47 at 766 Amsterdam Avenue in Manhattan. And an old sugar warehouse on West 58th Street at the Hudson River was used as the first drill tower. On January 1st, 1887, a new firehouse and headquarters building was dedicated on East 67th Street, and the school was moved to the fifth floor of that building. The 75 by 100 foot open area in the rear of the building, extending to 68th Street, was used as a drill ground, and the rear windows of the six-story building were used to practice scaling ladder work. In 1907, an addition was built on the rear of the firehouse to provide a drill tower and other facilities. In his annual report of 1906, Commissioner John O'Brien reported that in his opinion, the training of firefighters was inadequate, and he proposed the establishment of a more formal fire college. His idea did not come to fruition until 1911, when General Order Number 72 specified that the fire college should consist of an officer school, a school for engineers, a company school, and a probationary fireman's school. Sessions of the fire college were conducted in the headquarters building or in public school auditoriums until 1918, when the quarters of Engine Company 40 were vacated and the building was taken over by the college. The probationary fireman's school remained at 68th Street, and this site continued to be used for their training until 1963. The other schools of the fire college 
moved to the Packard Building on Queens Boulevard in Lyon City in 1934 and remained at that location for 14 years. They were then moved to Hunters Point Avenue and 35th Street, also in Long Island City, to what was then known as the Shops and College Building. Today, the department's main apparatus repair shop, as well as other units, occupy this building. Upon completion and dedication of a new training center on Welfare Island, now Roosevelt Island, in 1963, all training activities at former sites were centralized. The Welfare Island Training Center was the first to not only bring all fire training operations into a single area, but it was also the first time that live fire was used. Until then, training consisted of simulations using dry hose and no actual fire. The Bureau of Training would move their operations one more time. Ground was broken for the FDNY Academy in 1975 on Randalls Island, which went into operation the following year. This remains the preeminent fire training facility in the country, if not the world, with programs that are almost too numerous to count. The New York City Fire Museum has recently unveiled a special temporary exhibit entitled Becoming the Bravest that displays the history of training in the FDNY through artifacts, photographs, and videos. Be sure to visit the museum at 278 Spring Street in Manhattan. It will remain on display until April 2024. Hi again, it's Jennifer Brown, the Executive Director of the New York City Fire Museum. The Fire Museum's gift shop offers a large selection of official FDNY memorabilia, including shirts, hats, and souvenirs, and a large selection of books about the FDNY and the history of fire service. For your junior firefighters, the gift shop features children's firefighter gear, books, and toys. The gift shop is available year-round during the museum's opening hours, Wednesday through Sunday from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., or online at nycfiremuseum.org. To date, all the individuals that I have presented to you in our Throwback FDY podcasts are people I did not know personally. But in this episode, I want to talk about someone I did know and deeply respected. Chief William Bill Feehan. We called him Chief because that is what he wanted to be called. But he held every uniformed rank in the department, as well as the civilian positions of First Deputy Commissioner and Commissioner. Chief Feehan was born in Long Island City, Queens. His father was a member of the FDNY, having been appointed in 1926 and retired in 1958. He attended Cathedral Preparatory High School and St. John's University. After graduation, he enlisted in the United States Army and served during the Korean War in a unit that participated in intensive combat. After the war, but still in the Army, Chief Feehan studied to take the fire department exam to follow in his father's footsteps. To hedge his bets, he also took the NYPD and Department of Welfare exams. Although he scored extremely well on the FDNY exam, he failed the mandatory vision test. As a result, he wound up as an investigator at the Department of Welfare. The chief still yearned to work with his father. By reading the department's magazine, WNYF, he learned of its affiliate agency, the New York Fire Patrol. To learn the history of the patrol, you could listen to our July 2022 podcast. With less stringent requirements, Chief Feehan became a fire patrolman. But in 1959, 
after taking the FDNY exam again, and this time passing the eye exam, he was finally appointed to the job of his lifetime on October 10th, 1959, and was assigned to Ladder Company 3 in Manhattan. Having earned his bachelor's degree, he was used to studying, which he did in order to take the department's promotional exams. He consistently rose up the uniformed ranks, culminating with being appointed chief of department by Commissioner Carlos Rivera and confirmed by Mayor David Dinkins on August 19, 1991. For him, it was the attainment of his lifelong dream. To him, being the chief of the FDNY was the most prestigious job in the world, leading the bravest firefighters in the world. But he would not hold the job for long. He was rapidly approaching the FDNY's mandatory retirement age of 65, meaning he would be ousted in four short years. As it turned out, he would be able to continue to work with the department he so loved for an additional 10 years. That tenure began with his appointment to first deputy commissioner on November 9, 1992. Although having to hang up his uniform, he continued in that position until being tapped by Mayor Dinkins to become acting commissioner upon the resignation of Commissioner Rivera from the post. It was a promotion he never wanted. In fact, even after he was officially appointed commissioner, he would say he never considered himself to be that person. He was always the chief, and that was what he preferred to be called. When Mayor Giuliani appointed Howard Safer commissioner, Chief Fian went back to being first dep, and he agreed to remain in that position after Thomas von Essen became the next fire commissioner. Throughout his career, he fought many fires at his various ranks that are recorded in the annals of FDNY history. These included the Wooster Street collapse, the mid-air collision of two airplanes with one crashing into a Brooklyn neighborhood, the USS Constellation fire, the fatal Watts Street fire, and prophetically, the 1993 terrorist bombing of the World Trade Center. Sadly, this remarkable career and a remarkable human being was taken from us on September 11th, 2001. He died doing what he loved best, working side by side with the men and women of New York's bravest. And now it's time for our throwback FDNY trivia segment. In each new episode of our podcast, we like to test your knowledge of the department by asking a question about a fact from our previous show. Here's this month's. In what year was the FDNY flag introduced? The answer can be found in our last episode. And remember, you can listen to that and all of our previous episodes by going to nycfiremuseum.org slash throwback FDNY. The Throwback FDNY podcast is brought to you by the New York City Fire Museum the official museum of the FDNY. With help from the FDNY and the FDNY Foundation, the official philanthropic organization of the department. I'm Gary Urbanowitz. I'll leave you with this important reminder. Many New Yorkers will be celebrating Thanksgiving and in doing so may prepare a traditional meal centered around a turkey dinner. The National Fire Protection Association estimates that there are approximately five deaths 60 serious injuries, and over $16 million in property damage caused by cooking turkey in deep fryers each year. 
These fires occur when the oil used in the fryer spills out, hitting the burner used to heat the fryer. Not only does the oil enlarge the heating fire, it can also cause the flaming oil to be thrown up and into the surrounding area, spreading the fire to furniture, carpeting, curtains, and other flammable material. If you or your family plan to use one of these fryers this holiday season, please follow some important safety measures. These include only using these cookers outdoors and away from flammable material. That also means not in a garage. Never place a frozen turkey in the fryer. Keep children away from the fryer and never leave the fryer unattended. Follow all of the manufacturer's instructions, particularly regarding the amount of oil to be used. Remember to keep a working fire extinguisher close by and know how to use it properly. For more information on deep fryers, visit fdnysmart.org. Until next time, thank you and stay safe.